Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi there, this is Martina Navratilova. And you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. It is day four of the US Open. And I, myself, David Law, I'm sitting in the player garden, which is where all the players congregate and get ready for their matches and have their interviews straight after the matches. And I'm sitting here with Catherine Whitaker of Eurosport and Simon Briggs, the Telegraph's tennis correspondent, because of course we are brought to you in association with the Telegraph. And what a day we have just witnessed from a British perspective. First of all, Joe Conta winning the longest match in the women's draw in the history of the US Open. Three hours and 23 minutes and she beat the Wimbledon runner-up Garbina Muguruza in three sets, the best win of her career. And then Andy Murray has just come back from two sets down to win in five. First of all, Simon Briggs, it's been an eventful day. Did you expect this situation when you started the day? Well, I suppose we're pretty happy to have two Britons in the third round. On the downside, we're kind of worried about Andy. I don't think he's feeling too hot, (laughs) ironically in a figurative sense, very hot in a literal sense, after he came off the court. Um, so that's a bit of a downside. It's been an amazing day's tennis, been draining to be here, but brilliant. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just goes to show what an incredible sport this is to watch and, and follow on a daily basis. Well, I think the best person to talk to about the physical condition of Andy Murray just at the moment is Catherine Whitaker, because in your role for Eurosport, you were basically the first person to speak to Andy just as he came off the court three hours of tussle on the Arthrash Stadium in really hot, humid conditions. And the air is heavy, isn't it? As we sit here outside, just next to the Arthrash Stadium, the air is heavy. What, what, what was he like? Well, it wasn't like speaking to Andy Murray. It was like speaking to the shell of Andy Murray, where Andy Murray the man used to be. He was as spent as I've ever seen him. I mean, as spent as I've ever seen a human being, except when I looked in the mirror earlier. Uh, he could barely talk, frankly. He, ironically, he looked unbelievably pale um, and he, he was barely getting the words out. It was extremely good of him to stop and chat. I mean, very extremely professional of him because that was a real struggle for him. And uh, I know he's got the best team around Impossible and he's perfected the art of, of athletic recovery to the nth degree. But this is going to be a challenge for him over the next two days, I think. 
And to give just an idea of how gruelling it is, obviously we've had, I think, more retirements in the first few days of this tournament than it's ever had. And Jack Sock today, who was comfortably two sets to love up, Simon, basically got carried off the court. He, he collapsed with heat exhaustion. He was wrapped in ice towels, and it was a really, really distressing scene. Yeah, he'd been um, on the court for coming up to two hours, and uh, he basically collapsed. Sometimes you see people have full-body cramps. I think it was almost more heat stroke in his case because he seemed to go floppy rather than, you know, sometimes they, 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 get, they go rigid. Um, it's always uh, horrendous in either case. Uh, and it also put into perspective what Joe Conter had achieved around about the same time of the day to finish her match against the, the world number nine, playing really, really good tennis after three hours and 23 minutes. What a result that was. What a performance. I mean, honestly, we've been following Joe Conta for a few years, but actually not running into her very much at this sort of event because she just hasn't been in this sort of company. But she looked the part today. She took on a top 10 player in the world, went toe-to-toe and was the better player and a deserving winner. Yeah, I've actually been being a bit rude about the other British players this week. Uh, <laughs> I made some terrible pun about it being the, the great British flake-off with, with uh, Heather and... Uh, and Laura and even Kyle all failing really to mentally get on top of their matches. So what I really enjoyed was from point one, you could see that there wasn't going to be an issue today. We were just going to have an amazing tennis match in which both women were uh, slugging um, from the baseline most of the time. It was all about tennis. It wasn't really about psychology. It was about fitness. It was about determination and about ball striking. And that actually was a bit of a relief because there's been a lot of... uh, kind of mental fade-outs covering the British uh, players the last few days. But in the post-match interview as well, as well as winning the match, now, the longest match in women's tournament history here, and she had so many chances to win it in straight sets and, and still, having dropped the second set on a tie-break, came back and, and dominated that third set. But what I was really interested in is the way she was speaking afterwards when she was up against... To, you know, she's got to play Andrea Petkovic next. And our tennis correspondent for BBC Radio 5 Live, Russell Fuller, said to her in his interview, it gave her the opportunity almost to talk about her physical condition and, and what Catherine was alluded to, how do you recover from this sort of thing for Andy Murray? And she was not even going to entertain that as an idea of something that could hold her back in the next round. Yeah, when we think about Conta's story, this is a woman who I used to think was really going to struggle making a successful career because she couldn't close. And, and now she's converted into a woman on a 15-match winning streak and she can't lose. So it's been absolute reversal overnight. I actually was chatting to Greg Wazedski and he said it can happen like that if you commit to changing the way you do things. It can, you can get into a virtuous circle. It seems to have happened for her. I'm so happy for her because I always liked her a lot. Um, she, she is a, a charming girl uh, and a, a hard worker um, a great physical athlete and it was only what was between her ears seemed to be letting her down and now she's sorted that out and everything she's doing is very professional and she seems to me to be the British number one in waiting I think you know there's no doubt that out of the three uh, women who played here she's in, in by far the best form and, and right now I can't see her not ending the year as British number one This is our first opportunity to speak to Catherine Whittaker on the tennis podcast this week because Catherine couldn't make it for our preview show. Catherine, we've had predictions and so forth, but what have you made so far of what you've seen both in terms of the tennis on the court and in your role for Eurosport interviewing all the players as they've come off? What have, you, what have your impressions been? Uh, my impressions have been that up until today it's been sort of as expected really. That, that match of Andy Murray very not 
as ex- very much not as expected. Johanna's Conte, Johanna's Conte's match, very much not as expected. To my enormous shame, when uh, she lost that second set tiebreak, and in particular when she uh, lost the second set tiebreak, subsequent to that, the line call incident where the point where the Hawkeye overruled the call, the point was given to Muguruza rather than there being a replay. I had a chat with my producer. We were waiting courtside for the post-match interview, and I had a chat with my producer, and he said, "Oh, we, we should probably stick around." to see how the third set goes. And I said, yeah, it won't take long. Contra will probably crumble. And I, and shame on me because uh, the opposite happened. And I really do feel like I owe Joe Contra an apology because... Um, yeah. She's just coming around the corner, Catherine. <laughs> so uh, if you'd like to know, she's not really. These are not words that I included in my post-match interview, I, sh- I should point out. But yeah, she absolutely, I mean... Because as as Simon said, she had a reputation as not being a closer, as being mentally frail, you know, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. And to, to see somebody turn that around is is really sort of heartwarming and, and, uh, and it's great, great to see. So apart from those two results, I mean, I don't think we've learned massively more than we knew at the beginning of the tournament. Certainly in the men's event, you know, Federer looked good, Djokovic looked decent. Um, <clears throat> Nishikori gone, but yes, full seed, but not a huge surprise. I don't think he's definitely carrying some sort of injury. On the women's side, um, yes, Serena struggled when no one expected her to against low-ranked Kiki Burtons, but we we knew there were going to be yips every step along the way of this journey that Serena Williams is on. Yes, it was only lowly Kiki Burtons, but I, it's not about the opponent, is it? But it's about what's going on in Serena's mind. It is, but I tell you what, there's some fascinating draws ahead for Serena Williams, starting with Bethany Matic-Sands, her compatriot, who will show no fear going out against Serena Williams, I suspect. Potentially Madison Keys or Agneska Radvanska next. And there's still Belinda Bencic in the draw, although she very nearly lost last night, Simon. Yeah, but what about Venus Williams still in the draw now? Imagine if they played each other, Venus yeah. against Serena. That really would be a horrible position for Venus to be in. Can you imagine having to be professional about uh, a match on Arthur Ashe Stadium and yet um, being in the position of being able to deny your sister the, the kind of the ultimate accolade of the sport? So in a way, I really hope it doesn't happen. It would be, uh, it would be very uncomfortable for everyone. Um, it would be a good story. Um, Benchich... Serena will be a match to watch for sure and uh, again I'm happy to see Benchich get out of a corner because uh, she's absolutely box office um, really entertaining to watch and only 18 so um, as the Americans say massive upside on her What do you think about the remaining uh, or the matches we've seen so far involving the other top men's players Novak Djokovic obviously relatively comfortably through last night Roger Federer will play in our evening session today as we record this we're just about to start that match but Generally speaking, all of those players, as Simona Halep just walks past, actually, she was a winner today. I, I think most of the, the men's players, as, as Catherine said, apart from Murray, I think the big question mark is how much is that? I mean, Catherine raised the question, he's got to come back on Saturday. Have you got any concerns about his recovery now for that third round match, which will take place against Thomas Bellucci? Absolutely, yeah. I think you could not um, feel anything but concern the the kind of effort he had to deliver today. I mean, I know he's done it before against Lopez twice here, I think, and Robin Haas uh, in my time of watching him. So he's really had about 
four or five uh, US Open um, early round uh, marathons, and he's, he's come back in every case to go deep. But uh, it did feel like maybe the, the, the extra stillness, humidity, and heat today, it was a little bit uh, more grueling. Um, and his game was so off. I mean, he couldn't hit his forehand. He kind of went to Rye early in the match. And then after that, he just contented himself with putting his forehand in the court, trying to hit winners of the backhand, and just outlast out, um, his opponent. So, you know, that, that was a real uh, danger sign. His second serve, incredibly vulnerable in both matches so far. So no way is Andy showing um, final, finalist form at the moment. Doesn't mean he can't turn it round, but, but concerning for his fans. Simon and I, Catherine, have both picked Djokovic and Serena for the titles here. Uh, we haven't had any predictions from you yet, so come on, get on with it. Uh, well, uh, I'll go for Serena. Well, I've got the advantage of having seen them. I, I would have gone. I probably would have gone for Murray before the tournament starting. <clears throat> I'm not sure I'm going for Murray after today. I, I don't necessarily think it. It. Well, it certainly could, but I. I wouldn't necessarily specifically be worried about him against Bellucci. I think this could be a match that will affect him throughout the fortnight. Not, it's not just a question of the next couple of days. It's if you think of, you know, a tank of petrol, petrol that he's got for the 14 days, that's an enormous amount just gone. He you might can have a refill, though. Well, how? He's going to go and have a big old drink of some of these electrolyte things, you know, these pink drinks there and all that. Yeah, I had my first experience of pink drinks today. They taste horrendous, but... I'm, I'm assured by the marketing that they're replacing things that I've lost through copious amounts of sweating. Um, so I probably would have gone for Murray. Am I going to change that on the basis of one draining performance? You've really put me on the spot here, David. Or maybe I could just surprise you all and go for Federer. Or you could pick the world number one, you know. I'm going for Federer. Catherine Whittaker there here on the tennis podcast so simon over the next um what i want to know is for tomorrow's paper i, I think mm. it's really fascinating that you've got two big british stories very different aren't they murray surviving and concert prevailing in a in a really wonderful moment in her career how will your newspapers re re reflect that tomorrow well, i should say that it is an iron law of um, andy murray at the us open that he always goes into these elongated matches and finishes them right on deadline just so you have to kind of um your fingers have to fly at, at, at maximum velocity across the keys and it's all a bit hairy and stressful uh, the bugger but uh, <laughs> but um uh what we ended up doing was first edition we had um johanna conta that the first edition goes at about 9 45 10 p.m uk time was about five o'clock here and it had a little little side slot on shane warren writing an open letter to nick kyrgios telling him to buck his ideas up um, of all um, the people, uh, they may, they may. Uh, I'm not sure whether they let, whether they ran that or whether they replaced it with a sort of panel on Jack Sock's heat collapse. Uh, for second edition, they've actually swapped the spreads around so that then we've got two big slots and we've got Conta in uh, continuing in quite a long form and then um, 800 on uh, Andy's near uh, near disaster. Uh, so I think it's worked out pretty well. Just as a, as a final point before we we finish off for this edition of the tennis podcast. 
what's your view on best of five sets at Grand Slams? It's a, it's a subject we've debated in the past, and it's been brought into focus again here because of Jack Sock leading by two sets of love and then going down like a sack of spuds and being carried off. And yet Andy Murray... Sock of spuds. Oh, very good. Andy Murray, uh, obviously two sets down today in a best of three set format, he would have lost. But I suppose the argument is that if you played best of three sets, you would perhaps approach it differently mentally. Are you comfortable with best of five sets? I have considered whether there's an argument for first week, best of three, second week, best of five. Um, people who know better than me tell me that that would give the better players an even bigger advantage when it came to the business end of the tournament um, than they already have over the outsiders because they'd be used to playing the marathons. Um, I mean, it's hard to pick too many faults with uh, the state of tennis as it is. It, the only thing I do feel for is the players and, and um, you know, what it takes out of them and what it's going to do to their knees and their hips long term. But uh, having said that, they do seem to be surviving into their 30s almost better than they used to be. So the, I don't think there's a compelling argument for change. I certainly would consider the first week, second week. But I think to make it best of three, second week would, would definitely detract. I agree. Catherine? Oh, no question. I mean, best of five should exist in tennis. Um, we've discussed this, I, th I think. I mean, we don't want to get into the full debate here, but I, I think uh, in order for there to be equality, which I want there to be, there needs to be some adjustments on both sides. And I think the least bad possible solution, I don't think it's perfect, is best of three first week, best of five second week. OK, well, we'll think about it. We'll think about it. Catherine, Simon, great to have you with us here on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We will be back in a few days' time, but it's getting exciting. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 